Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I'm Tyler. Joining me with me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. You'll notice probably right off the bat that my audio is not what it normally is. Uh, neither is my video. I mean, video is still okay. Audio, not as great. I'm in Oklahoma for Christmas. Um, my wife and my wife's from Oklahoma, so we came out here for Christmas break. But all my stuff is still at, in Utah, so... We're kind of uh, doing a makeshift podcast with right now, but, you know, we have to do it. But before that, be sure to go follow us on all of our social medias. Go on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Let's, uh, follow us on TikTok. All those great things. And uh, also a thank you to everybody who was involved with Rocking Around the 412 this year. Um, it was it was a great year. We raised over six thousand dollars. We're able to help it was twenty three families or, or 23, 20, twenty three kids. Yeah, twenty three twenty three kids, which is great. That's that's awesome to hear and awesome to see. And just really wanted to just say, normally we shout out the podcast to to give it light, but Christmas has passed. So thank you to everybody that donated. Um, we really appreciate it every year. Like Smitty says all the time, this is honestly the best thing that we're a part of. Um, um, when it comes to rocking around the 412 year after year. So just wanted to give a quick shout out to everybody who donated, everybody who shared the page, um, everybody who even just looked at it. Thank, thank you for that. And also um, we, we want to make it just keep, keep growing this thing. Honestly, it's, it's it, like we said, it's a part of the, it's probably the best thing that we do. Not even probably it's definitely is. Um, but it was another great year for rocking around the four four one two. There's going to be some awesome prizes that some of you are going to be able to win. Um, we're going to raffle those off. Uh, I'm sure in the near future, but yeah, just wanted to give a thank you to everyone involved. Yeah. Um, I wanted to give uh, another big thank you. Uh, we didn't do a show last week. So by the way, I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas as well. Um, but yeah. I, I wanted to give another big thank you to Kaylee. Um, who was involved with this that's uh you know we talked about isla on here who was supposed to be um one of the kids that we took care of this christmas with the rock around the 412 mission uh the the two-year-old daughter of my late friend dalton and uh when i reached out to kaylee i mean i've told this story so if you guys are hearing me say it over and over again like yeah but you're gonna hear it one more time and then it's gonna lead to something else but when I reached out to her, she said, that's awesome. But from a financial standpoint, we're fine if we could pay it forward. So what we did is we adopted 15 kids from the Salvation Army in Dalton's name to give them their Christmas. So that's how that number is 23, 15 of them came from the uh, the Salvation Army here, um, which I always talk about. We're sponsored by Teach Barbershop in East Rochester, PA. Uh, the Salvation Army is in East Rochester, PA. It's, I, I had no clue where this building was. There you go. It's literally seven minutes from my house. So I went there and was there for like two and a half hours with Kaylee and just learning about them. They have a church right inside there. They're also a food bank. They have 55 kids that they that go there every day after school for after school like activities and stuff like that the director's husband teaches every kid there either guitar or drums they get to pick which one they want to learn so it's just like really cool everything that goes on there and um you know just learning more about them but anyway what i wanted to say as far as kaylee goes she adopted three kids on her own for this thing so we took care of 12 Mm -hmm. she took care of three but also we were tech we've been texting afterwards and stuff like that she's just like she wasn't really in the christmas spirit this year and reasonably so with everything that occurred when she got involved with this, it brought her Christmas spirit back and she wants to be involved every year now. So I think we're going to have some involvement oh, with awesome. the Salvation Army going forward every year to some capacity. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what that's going to be. I I will say that I've had some conversations with the director about becoming like an official partner 
of the Salvation Army. So we'll see if that's something okay. that comes of this. But um, yeah, just just really cool, really good work there that's going on. You guys have obviously heard of the Salvation Army well before we've talked about it. So you guys know that you can just get involved literally by going to their website and checking them out. But this one specifically, the one in Rochester that I'm talking about, they also do have their own Facebook page. So you can go and check out them as well and see specifically what they got going on um, at their site. But anyway, and again, another shout out to everybody that was involved with this thing. But but an, a big shout out to Kaylee as well for for her selflessness and um, wanting to be so involved with what we're doing. So really good stuff. Um, without further ado, I guess we can kind of talk about some sports now, even though it's not the most desirable thing to talk about from top to bottom. We'll start with the Pirates, which everybody wants to definitely hear about. Um, oh, they sure. signed. They signed Rich Hill, which like name value, boom. Like he's he's definitely a name that we've heard of before. 42 years old, but I will say still relatively effective last year for the Red Sox, pitching in, you know, what is considered the toughest division for pitchers to pitch in in the AL East. Um, mm -hmm. the numbers were actually a little bit better than what they looked like on the surface. You know, the advanced stuff looks a little bit better. He's obviously not going to be a hard thrower at 42 years old, but I think he checked a lot of boxes for the Pirates in 2023, being that first off, he's a lefty. Uh, they needed a veteran for sure on the staff, and I think that he checked both those boxes. And he's still, like I said, relatively effective. I think he can slot in as like the number three probably in the rotation behind Keller and Rowanzi and offer them just like a guy that that's going to just eat innings until we get like Burroughs here. Uh, Ortiz, Priest, or some of these guys that are chomping at the bit to get up here, you know, Rich Hill's going to provide yeah. some innings until that happens. So I have no issues with the signing for one year, $8 million. I mean, it's a $3 million increase on what he was making last year. And I think for him, he's probably looking at this like he could parlay this into something more. You know, I, I don't know that he finishes the year as a pirate. We probably, you know, when we get to the trade deadline, Hopefully he helps us, you know, get some back prospect compensation or something like that. And then he gets to pitch for a contender um, in a postseason stretch. So I think that this is a, is a great scenario. I understand the age concerns, but it's a one year deal. So, like, I, I who cares? Yeah, I mean, it's probably kind of like a like a Jose Quintana of last year, a veteran guy that you bring in to help help your team and help the younger pitchers on the staff. But when you're close to the deadline, as long as he's performing okay, you could probably move on from him there and, and gain some assets through that. When I saw the signing. It, it, it seemed interesting just because it's actually a guy that I've heard of before. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and and so that was always a good thing. And, and funny enough, did you know that he's played for 12 – or this is going to be his 12th team? Yeah, which That's is which ton. is odd because – He signed so many one-year deals the past, like, several yeah. years. I was looking at his Again, baseball reference, and he, he, he's been on – let me just see real quick. So, like, one-year deals. He's been with Baltimore for one year, New York with one year, L.A., Cleveland, Oakland, Tampa Bay, New York Mets, Minnesota. <laughs> All of these are just – he's been on with the team for one year. Pirates are probably going to add to that list, but it'll be his 12th team. Yeah. But, yeah, and like you, like, I've – I looked at that and I thought 42 years old, but it's like at this point with the pirates, who really cares how old they are and his numbers say he's going to be effective. And so I, I, I think it's a good thing. I think that the team overall is, is fairly young still. There, there's a lot of youth on this team and not that we're, we're going to have some rich. Hill be somebody that's going to uh, be someone that, with that experience that gets him into the playoffs or anything like that. But it's good to have a veteran presence on the team. Um, when you have so much youth on the team, it, it just kind of help, helps, I feel like, transition a lot of the younger guys to that big league level. And 
be able to feel more comfortable. And it's, it's still a guy like no matter how bad the pirates are this year, still a guy that can bring some value and, and guys that are a guy that can help teach these young guys things. And like just little tips here and there throughout the season, stuff that they might not have known otherwise. So guy that's been there, done that. I, I think it's good for the pirates. Does it make them a contender? Heck no, but it, it's, it's an intriguing signing to say the least. I think what it does do, though, is, is tell you that they're finally focused on improving, even if it's marginally at the MLB level in 2023. It's not going to be a huge increase, but you know, I, I think that it's at least a, a sign that they're going to, I'm not say going to say try or anything like that. I'm not going to throw these words around, <laughs> but um, I think that, that it's at least an improvement on what they had at the major league level in 2022. So. Um, we we have some broken trust that that needs to be healed before we can throw around the try word. Yeah, for sure. Um, we got we got to be like Yoda in in Star Wars: do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> there you go. I, I will say uh, the second part of it that's intriguing to me is who does he push out from what we thought the rotation was going to look like? Because is it like is Vince Velasquez now like that borderline like swingman like we kind of hope that he would be, or does this open up the idea of like a trade of JT Brubaker? Because I've seen that thrown around as well. Or I mean, could it push Brubaker just to a permanent bullpen role? I. It, it could. I, 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 think, I think. I think Brubaker is one that is probably uh, a high candidate for me personally, just because he hasn't quite met fan expectations, and not necessarily just fan expectations, but probably the expectations of the Pirates when it comes to being a starter. So if he's going to continue to be on this team, it feels like it's going to be out of the bullpen. But from from there on out, I mean, it could very well be a trade, like you were saying. Yeah, I, I think it depends on what his value would be in a trade. Just because I could see the bullpen thing, just because he's we've seen him be effective, you know, one or two times through an order. But and that's I guess that's a lot of starters though today. Like that's why you only see starters be able to get through five innings because that third time through, you know, they're getting crushed at that point. So, but Brew Baker's yeah. definitely a guy where it's like he'll look effective for three, four innings, and then that's it. So maybe he would benefit from being like this year's version of Will Crow. Um, so we'll see that I think that anything is a possibility at this point. I don't know what the pirates are thinking because I wasn't expecting them to add another pitcher to be quite honest with you. So I'm pleasantly surprised to see them bring in a lefty for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on to the Steelers. Um, what, so not necessarily a great game start to finish on Christmas Eve, but what a finish in honor of Franco Harris that we saw on Christmas Eve, Kenny Pickett putting together a game winning drive, uh, he did something that not only no rookie has done, but no quarterback in NFL history, um, converting a fourth down run and passing for 75 yards on a game winning drive. No quarterback in history had apparently done that, which is pretty crazy for me. Um, mm. But shout out to him. I, I think that for the majority of the game, he I don't want to say he looked uncomfortable and it's not like he wasn't hitting throws. I think that he answered some people's questions actually in this game, to be quite honest with you, because even though we weren't seeing like the aired out deep ball, I, I think that people have a misconception of how you evaluate arm strength. When you see him hitting some of the throws that he was hitting on out routes, like the one to Deontay Johnson, where like everybody like holds their breath because it looks like it's going to be a pick six, but it gets there. Like the yeah. zip that he was putting on these footballs, on Saturday night was pretty crazy. And that is a good uh, determination of where his arm strength is. So I don't think that you have to question that also playing in those elements. 
not yeah, he had the one pick, but he didn't he didn't fumble the ball. There was obviously some concerns about that because of the hand size. I think that he showed he can play in these elements, even though I mean six years of pit, we should have known this going into the game. That was still a question right. that people had when they drafted him. Um, but I, I thought that Kenny played overall pretty well. Again, there were some throws that he'd like to have back. Obviously, the interception wasn't very good, but that is always going to be when you put together a game winning drive the way that he did, a lot of that stuff that happened before it, people are just going to completely forget about. Um, what did you think about Kenny Pickett on Saturday night? I thought it was good. I mean, if you look at the box score just by itself, it, it seemed like a pretty a- a- average to above average game from Kenny Pickett. But I think when you factor in um, just just like the external factors when it comes to like the weather and the environment that they were playing in, um, I, I feel like it was pretty tough for all those players, especially a quarterback throwing that ball. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that ball felt hard as a rock as well. So trying to get grip on it is pretty tough. But and just to touch on the arm strength, I think a lot of the times you can see guys' arm strength is it's more impressive when they can make these out route throws and throws towards the sideline across the field than just pushing the ball down the field. I, I think that's a lot of times where you can see true arm strength. So you saw that from Kenny. Um, but I, I thought it was good. I mean, even leading up to the game winning drive, I thought that it was good overall. Um, I, I, I think Steeler fans were seeing the poise from Kenny Pickett which is honestly what we need and what we want. I, I don't, there's no too high and there's no too low with him. And that included on Saturday night. Um, I, I think that whether or not he makes a mistake, like he makes that pick and that was his first pick in several games, which is, yeah. which is uh, a great to hear after the first half of the season that he had, he had what three games in a row without, without a turnover. So, um, he did have the one in this game. It's, it's a shame. But at the same time, he's made these strides and made these improvements. And I think we physically had seen that. And like you and I talked about, we know the mentality of Kenny Pickett. And we knew that that was going to stay the same no matter what. And I just think you're seeing him get more mature at this NFL level. Um, and, and even Tomlin talking to – there was a snippet that came out talking to the his linemen like looking him in the eyes, like we're growing up today. We're, we're, we are growing up tonight yeah. playing in this game and playing in this cold weather. This is where, this is where men grow up. Um, so I, I think you're seeing that from the team as a whole, but also just Kenny himself that, that drive, what was he seven for nine for, and, and drove the, drove the field 75 yards for that score that, that in the throw to George Pickens looking at it just laterally, it doesn't look as impressive as when you see the vertical throw and how the window was for Kenny. It's not like that was a wide open throw. Like that, he had to hit the window that Port Pickens was in. He was able to do it. I, I I thought that was so impressive and just goes to in hand with what I was saying about just his maturity as an NFL quarterback. We've been seeing that throughout many many weeks, and I, I think this is kind of just a, a even bigger stepping stone. What do you look like in the two minute drill? What do you look like when the pressure is at its highest? And he delivered. Yeah, I, so I wanted to ask you about something. First off, I also want to mention that it's pretty crazy. I mean, say what you will about them. We've bashed them, but we have also said that, you know, for offensive line play, for defensive line play, they probably are one of the better sources to go to. That's PFF. They have Kenny Pickett graded as the number three quarterback since week 12 in all of football behind only Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, which is pretty crazy to hear. I think that 
everything up until the 20 looks really good for this offense right now. But I, I don't have the answer to this. I'm curious what you think. Why can they not put points on the board? I understand they had two missed field goals again on Saturday. and But it's like, why are we even getting to a point where they look so good up until field goal range and then drives just completely stall out? Yeah, and I, I think this is uh, more so on the play calling than it is more so the guys on the field. I mean, obviously they have to execute – but I honestly think it could just be a, a mental thing when it comes to Matt Canada. I don't know if he's either overthinking himself when it comes to calling that next play, but you, you see it between the 20s, how consistent they can move the ball at times. But once you get in that red zone, something stalls out. And I don't think that's just going to be because the defense is making red zone adjustments. I, I think that it has to do with, what schemes and what plays are being called in those red zones. And, and, and sure, like a lot of it can be chalked up to guys not catching the ball or Kenny not making a throw or, or, or people, the offensive line not getting all their blocks. That's going to be happening every game. But when it is happening this consistency, I tend to blame, put the blame more on the offensive coordinator, which is, I know, shocking. I, I blame Matt Canada for something else. But I, I, I genuinely think it is. I, I think that whether it's him overthinking or just not being able to process what he thinks the right place could call correctly, I don't know what, what, what his mental state is. I just feel like it has to do with the play calling for how consistent this has been game in and game out. Yeah, I want to ask you something about him. Actually, I didn't have this on here, but I just thought about it. But I also want to say, to me, the biggest thing is piggybacking off of the offensive coordinator thing because of the way this offense is set up. They're really not built to make up for mistakes, I don't think. So it's like they always seem to have one penalty that just completely kills a drive, and they are not an, a, the type of offense that can make up for that. So they, t they need to stay on schedule. They need to ha get, you know, like seven plus yards on first down to, to be able to convert, which, by the way, they've done a really good job of. I must say they are one of the more efficient offenses in the NFL since the bye week. And the rate that they've been converting third downs, if they were doing it for the entire season, they'd be in the top five of the entire NFL. So, you know, shout out to the adjustments that they've made in, in that area. Um, but I wanted to ask you regarding Matt Canada, um, because there's been some reports coming out about him. Do you think that there's truth to the fact that he's not going to be back next year and that's already been determined? Because it apparently has leaked that the organization has basically said this, like he's going to coach out these two games and they will be moving on in the offseason. Do you think that there's any truth to this? You know, we've talked about this before, and I always said that I, I thought that Matt Canada was going to be coming back as the offense improves, I just don't see the Steelers as an organization that is like predetermining that they're cutting ties with them. Maybe I'm wrong, and I'm sure, I'm sure that's the case because they have a history of never letting people go during the season. It's always after the fact. So that could be the case. I just can't imagine the Steelers, if the offense is improving, being able to make that gut call if we still – need to let this guy go that just doesn't seem like the way they operate and and so personally i would say no i don't think that has any any truth to it when whether i mean it, it could but i just don't think the steelers operate like that and i feel like if the guy's already under contract because that's that's the big thing is they don't have to do anything he's already under contract it's not like they're giving him a new contract they have to fire yeah. him if they want him to let go 
So mm-hmm. I just don't see the Steelers being able to do that if the offense continues to pr- improve like the way it has. It still's got his quirks, but I mean, from from games like one through six, I feel like the offense is night and day. Yeah, I, I again, I guess I'm in the basically where you are. Like I, I'll believe it when I see it because of the way that I've yeah. seen this organization historically operate. Um, they just they don't fire coaches. They will definitely let their contracts run out and not renew them. And in order to do that, Canada would have to be here in 2023. Um, but there, I mean, there is a ton of smoke to this. Like I've seen it online. I've seen it from reputable people, people that I trust have talked about it. Um, so we'll see. But again, it, it's just hard for me to envision them going against. But but again, we, we talked about the Steelers way. They've gone against that recently, though. Maybe this is like an Omar Khan thing. You know, uh, this is a, a new regime. Um, so it, I guess it's possible. But I mean, I still, I, I would, despite what we're talking about with the improvements that they've had on offense, I tend to lean and I feel like I'm just taking away everything from Matt Canada. I'm not saying he's not part of what we've seen them do in the second half of the season and some of the solutions. Um, but I think it's honestly more about the personnel growing than it is the offensive coordinator. Uh, I still think that the play calling leaves a lot to be desired and he has no feel for how to call a game. So I would still... 100% be moving on but I, I understand where you're coming from where it's like when you see this team's taking strides offensively if Kenny's comfort level is growing with Matt Canada as the OC would they make that switch I guess the one thing that is good is I have no problems really if they want to keep you know his quarterback coach Mike Sullivan still around and maybe that's where Kenny's comfort level really is coming from Yeah, I mean, I agree. I have, I have no problem with Mike Sullivan um, sticking around with Kenny. And I, like when we were talking midseason, if Matt Canada could be let go, we were talking about Mike Sullivan being the play caller. If they mm-hmm. do and truly get rid of Matt Canada, I really want it to be an outside hire. Like yeah. um, unless mm-hmm. Kenny is just dead set on it being Mike Sullivan, I just don't want an internal hire from the Steelers because they happen way too often. They don't always work out, and I, I just want some new blood in there, some new flesh. I, I, I want new ideas, and and I, I feel like that also is something that's kind of against the grain for how the Steelers normally operate because, I mean, after after they got rid of Todd Haley, it was just internal hire for Randy Fickner and internal hire for Matt Canada, an easy transition. So we haven't seen an external hire for, for an off, for an offensive coordinator or for a coordinator in general for a while. And so it, it, it's tough to say whether that could happen, but I, I would prefer Mike Sullivan stay as the quarterback's coach. Matt Canada is gone. Whether I think he is or not, that's, that's neither here nor there. I want him gone. And then bring in an outside guy. I, I, I would love nothing more than someone new in that building. Yeah, same. I mean, you know, some names are going to be floated around. There's been some smoke to that the Tampa Bay would let Byron Leftwich go after the season um, with their offense has had, and I know that there's some ties there. I I don't love what he's done as a play caller. I think, generally speaking, the offensive scheme is fine, um, but I don't love him as a play caller. I, this is all about Kenny to me, so to me it's got to be somebody – that has the play calling experience, but also we've seen like some type of track record with developing a young quarterback. And that's why like Frank Reich comes to mind. Now that would be a huge leap for the Steelers. You know, that's almost like 
an upgraded version of what they did with Todd Haley, you know, a former NFL head coach who had gotten fired yeah. and they're bringing in to be an offensive coordinator for a year or two. And hopefully he rebounds and it goes better than Todd Haley's tenure did where Todd Haley didn't like end up getting another head coaching position somewhere else. He made a lateral move and ended up being the Browns offensive coordinator. Um, but I, I think that that would be like the big fish get, um, I, there, there's some other names that could honestly be floated out there, but like I know people have said Deuce Staley, another guy with Pittsburgh ties, obviously. I think he's a tremendous coach, but again, no quarterback experience, no play calling experience. So that's why he's like not really on my personal radar. It's a shame because I feel like the Steelers are a year too late into the <laughs> offensive coordinator search. Because I feel like last year there was a lot of options in the offseason when it comes to multiple multiple uh, quarterback coaches and offensive analysts or offensive like passing play to coordinators and everything like that, that could have been good candidates and did land jobs at different locations. Um, and so it's feel, it just feels like the Steelers are too little too late when it comes to searching for their offensive coordinator, at least for guys that are currently like in the NFL right away that seem obvious. I'm sure as the offseason progresses, there will be guys that emerge in, in, the, in, the, in that yeah. case, but as of right now, looking at it on the surface, it just seems like from the guys that were hired in last season's offseason for offensive coordinator positions, it just seems like the Steelers are just too far behind. Look at how some of those guys are like Mike Kafka, who was the Chiefs uh, quarterback coach, is the offensive coordinator for the Giants. And I mean, I, mm -hmm. I feel like look at the resurgence look, look that at how, from Daniel I, Jones and Saquon Barkley. Like, Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's some other guys that, that very well could be true. I mean, that's a good point. If they were looking for an offensive coordinator last year, and they probably should have been, um, you know, one of those guys were on the market. So we'll see, you know, who the hot candidates are. We'll see what ends up happening. They might not even be in the market for one, and it and could be Matt Canada. I, I, wonder, I wonder if it's a case where – because we, we talked about, like, oh, Matt Canada needs a, needs a mobile quarterback. He, he, he might do better with a young quarterback. I wonder if that's how the Steelers viewed it as well, like getting a new, getting new blood in that building for him to work with, or if they just looked at it like we have this guy under contract, we're not getting rid of him. Mm, maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. But again, knowing like what we do about how the Steelers operate, I think it was more of just there's no way he's going to be one and done. So yeah. this year, maybe, <laughs> but it wouldn't surprise me to see him again in 2023. Right. I want to flip this around and talk about the defensive side of the football in this game. Um, let's start with Cam Hayward. What a dominant performance this was. And it just makes sense, right? You know, to have like Franco's passing and something just that's so historic to the franchise going on, celebrating the immaculate reception. He just seems to take those things like personal. You know, that's why he's a Pittsburgh Steeler mm -hmm. through and through and what he embodies being a Pittsburgh Steeler. So for him to have this type of performance on primetime on Christmas Eve, honoring Franco, the Immaculate Reception, it just made so much sense. But this was one of his best career games. And I feel like it's kind of been in, in a nice stretch of football that he's had leading up to this. But he was pretty quiet for a while there. And he's all of a sudden just now he looks like the Cam Hayward that we've seen the last couple of years that we've been talking about just aging like fine wine at 33 years old. It was just a dominant performance on Saturday. Yeah, it was great. And I, I feel like he does step up in these, these types of moments. I mean, I, th I think back to what him and his brother did during that game in Atlanta, whenever, whenever mm -hmm. his, all the emotions yep. were surrounding what, like his dad and everything. And, uh, you know, and, 
Cam Hayward's a guy that we haven't really harped on too much this season for not performing like his old, old self. And I feel like that has to do with like you look at the age and you look at that number and it's like, well, what can we what should we expect from this guy? I mean, we know what we've gotten from him, but I feel like we haven't been too too overly critical of him. And now we don't need to be critical. This is a great performance on, <laughs> on Sunday, uh, really causing a lot of dis- or Saturday, Saturday, really causing a lot of disruption um, on, on that line. And I, I feel like like you said, aging like fine wine and really showing no signs of slowing down that much. Like, like I was just talking about how he didn't have some of the same production, but I never really thought he was overly bad this season. It's just, wasn't, he wasn't getting this, some of the same production that he was. He's gotten that this past several seasons and, or the, the past several games. And, you know, I, I do think that because of the way Cam Hayward is and because of his personality, what the Steelers organization means to him he understands what games like this mean. And, and they were honoring Franco regardless, so people were going to get up for it. But then whenever you have Franco passing away right before the game happens, it, 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 I feel like that struck a different chord and meant a little more to the guys. I mean, yep. they arrived all in Franco Harris jerseys to the game, mm-hmm. and they, they probably knew, like, this, this is a must win. I mean, not just for playoff hopes and winning season hopes and all that sort of stuff, but like the Steelers, they were not going to lose this game. And that I feel like that mentality starts with guys like Cam Hayward. He's just, like you said, he's a Steeler through and through. He understands not just the play on the field, but the mentality that whenever you're a Steeler, you need to have. And I feel like we probably have has had several players, not necessarily lose that mentality but they never really gain that mentality as a Steeler. um mm. you know like like yep. some of the some of the more recent guys like they have a different mentality than the guys that you and i grew up watching like when you when you think of the the super bowl winning teams of our childhood those guys had that Steeler mentality and i feel like cam hayward is one of the guys on that team and maybe it's because he's been around for so long and played with some of those guys that he has that mm. that Steeler mentality still and he's a good guy to have in the locker room and to spread that to other newer players as well. But yeah, he understood the assignment on Saturday and he was able to play his tail off and he got it done. The Steelers in general got it done. And I, I think they all knew what this game meant, not just for the Steelers, but for the city in general. It, well, to go off to springboard off your point, maybe those guys now take this opportunity to like look at themselves in the mirror and say, look at what this game meant. You know, despite us going into this game as a six and eight team, look how much this immaculate reception, this celebration, the celebration of Franco's life meant to this city and what we mean to this city. And they developed that Steelers mentality just through this. You know, maybe it's an opportunity for those guys to do it. To your point, yeah. Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, those guys, when like legends or, you know, past Steelers talk about them, that's one of the first things that's always said is these guys could have played on any Steelers football team. They could have played with on those Super Bowl teams. They could have been a part of those rosters, those championship rosters. Um, they have to now be the ones to carry that. And not saying that they aren't, but they need they need to keep passing it down too in order for that tradition and the Steelers' way to continue to be to be passed down. So uh, no, that was a really good point. That uh, you know some guys, and, and that's not necessarily like a, a knock on them. It, it it just is what it is. Like it, there's a different way of doing things now and. You know, that's why messages can get stale. And it's really amazing that, that Mike Tomlin has has lasted as long as he has and as successful as he is. So 
Um, the other player I wanted to highlight on defense and talk to you about because we didn't do a show last week. We didn't get to talk about Alex Highsmith being snubbed from the Pro Bowl, but he got his 12th sack on Saturday, um, which is good for third in tied for third in the AFC in the top 10 in the NFL in general. Um, he's the only player in the top 10 that's not on the Pro Bowl roster. His teammate, TJ Watt, who we were just talking about, despite missing the time that he did, did make the Pro Bowl. Um, just, just some quick thoughts on the fact that Alex Highsmith uh, did not make the Pro Bowl. I mean, to me, I, I don't know how third in the eight, tied third in the AFC in sacks, top 10 in general. Alex Highsmith doesn't make the Pro Bowl. How is that possible? I don't know. He's also tied for the league. Force fumbles. Um, it, it makes sense to me. It, when you look when you look at the season he's had, he's had a year in his third season. And I, in general, when you look across the league, it, not only does, does he have uh, the numbers to put up for it, but I, I think when you look that he's had this year, that should have stuck out to I, – I don't know what they were thinking. I, it, It's 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 a uh, it's it's just mm, I might have lost you. Yeah, sorry about that. My internet keeps coming in and out. I don't know why. Well, it's good right now. <laughs> um, good. Yeah. And they're just going to get a full – this isn't going to get cut out of the audio. This is just going to be full <laughs> love, love. Uh, transparency. So. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I I looked at the numbers. I, I didn't even bring up the lead in the league in forced fumbles. You did. But, yeah, that's another good point is tied for the league lead in forced fumbles. I don't know how – and this is no knock, obviously, on T.J. Watt. Love him. If he were healthy all season, he probably is there. But the fact that he wasn't healthy all season, I don't know how he makes the Pro Bowl over Alex Highsmith considering what you know Alex has done this year um, in T.J.'s absence a lot of the time too, You know, having to play most weeks yeah. without him on the other side. So it's really a shame for him. He, he'll, you know, There's going to be a guy or two that drops out, whether that be for – their own health related reasons, just not wanting to be there that weekend um, or maybe they're playing in the Super Bowl, their team. So a spot or two, I'm sure will open up and Alex could definitely get there, but he, he doesn't even, he shouldn't be an alternate. He should be there regardless. So, yeah. And, and I don't know how much you were able to hear or what people were able to hear uh, from what I was saying before I cut out, but yeah, I was basically saying similar things. It, it was, it's a shame that he didn't get there because not only does he have the numbers, but like just Steeler fans in general, I mean, NFL fans too, able to see the progression that Alex Highsmith has had over his three year yeah. career and, and to really have this, this career year he's had, it's just a shame that he doesn't get rewarded for it in that way. And let's be honest, TJ's in there for name recognition. That that's why TJ's yeah. a pro bowler. And that, that, that's why the, the Pro Bowl, like, yes, it, it does mean something when it turns to how, how good a, a player had that year. But at the same time, n nobody's saying that nobody like that actually looks at the season so far is saying that T.J. Watt had a better year than Alex Highsmith. And it's just a shame that he didn't get that chance. Or he could still could, but it's a shame that he didn't get it just outright. 
I wonder how much that goes into like Pro Bowl selections, goes into contract negotiations too. I don't know that it does. I'm just I'm I'm literally asking myself right now because Alex is also going to be this is year three. Next year's the last year of his rookie deal. He's gonna be looking for the bag, whether that's from Pittsburgh or somebody else. Uh he's gonna be due, you know, some money here soon. So, you yeah. know, I'd hate to see him not get it, even having the production that warrants a Pro Bowl selection and not be in there um automatically. I think that he ends up getting there because like I said, I think a guy or two end up not going for different reasons. Um uh, that is what it is. Um, transaction, Marcus Allen goes to the IR, that biceps injury that knocked him out of that game on Saturday, did require surgery, so he is done. Uh, the team signed Tay Crowder, actually like a somewhat noticeable name for me, at least off the Giants practice squad. Started all of the games yeah. last year for the Giants, uh, had two interceptions. I think he had a hundred total, close to 100 total tackles. Um, so he's a productive player for the Giants, but he was on their practice squad this year, and uh, the Steelers pluck him off. I th- at this point in the season, obviously, he's not going to get up to speed to be able to play really any snaps on defense, I wouldn't think. He's going to be a, a body for special teams, basically replace what Marcus Allen's role was, I would think. Um, but hey, you know, if, if say this team does get the help that they need, which is what we're going to talk about here. Say they do get the help that they need and also take care of their own business and sneak into the postseason obviously uh, you're going to need some some bodies for them too. So let's talk about that. They still are alive, which is pretty crazy. With two games left to play, they got the help they needed um, from the Packers, beating the Dolphins. The Chargers were able to lock up a playoff spot. So there are six playoff yep. spots in the AFC accounted for now, but there's one still open. So what they need is Steelers obviously need to win both of their remaining games. They need the Dolphins to lose both their remaining games. Now, one of those is to the Jets. Uh, but they need the Jets to also lose one of those. So they need the Jets to lose to the Seahawks, but the Jets to beat the Dolphins. They need the Patriots to beat the Dolphins, but lose to the Bills. And then they need to take care of their own business. Pretty simple, right? I mean, <laughs> when you on paper, doesn't sound too It's bad. very possible. It's very possible, yeah. Like, when you look at those matchups, that's what I mean. Like, on paper, those matchups don't sound horrible. Especially with Steelers chances being out. Yeah, Tua being out, uh, Jets having their quarterback problems, they just just win one of the games, and then Bills playing Miami and Seahawks playing the Jets. I, like this is this is very doable on part of everybody outside of the Steelers. I, I <laughs> the question is whether the Steelers can win their own games. To me, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and, we, you know, yeah, we've seen... and, and, and this is and this is exactly what I said was going to happen. The stinking Steelers, whenever they were like two and six, I said, you know, looking at the back half of the schedule, it eases up quite a bit. And of course, they're going to finish around the eight and nine, nine and eight mark, just ho hum average, like everybody everybody knew they were going to do. That's just what the Steelers do. Even my brother in law this Christmas, um, whenever we were in Florida. Uh, talk or when I was talking to him earlier this season, I was I was saying like, yeah, the Steelers are pretty bad right now. But knowing the Steelers, they're going to uh, probably win a big stretch of games in the late half of the season because the schedule eases up, and they're going to finish around 500. And he was he at the time he was just like, that's not happening. But it's like I know the Steelers, and as as frustrating as it may be when it comes to people who want the the draft stock, I mean, if they manage to pull out a playoff, that that is going to be a, a incredible performance by Mike Tomlin and Co. to get them there. I mean, they got to get the help, but 
it, from where they were at two and six, I believe was at the worst. And yeah. to, to where they are now, it's it's hard to believe they've kind of dug themselves out of the hole to this point. And they, they've managed to get to that seven and eight record. I, you know, and, and also Lamar not playing. So that's yeah. even like more uh, of like Twilight and the Stars that could happen. I mean, I know they already played Tyler Huntley and they did lose. Although Tyler Huntley didn't even finish that game. What's their Neither third name? <laughs> uh, Anthony, Anthony Brown Jr. Jefferson. Or Anthony Brown Jr. For some reason, I was going to say Anthony Jefferson. I don't know. I knew it was Anthony something. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's crazy But that they're in this position. But I can't say that I didn't predict it because I did. I, I knew this is how it was going to play out. Um, yeah. But moving forward, I mean, it, it's it's very realistic. I don't even know what game I'm more concerned about. This this Sunday night game did get flexed into Sunday night football, which is pretty cool. And I, I do like the Steelers' chances when it comes to playing in prime time. It just has a different feel to it, I think. And, and so – I like that about this Ravens game, plus not having to go against Lamar and co. That That's always a, a nice thing as well. But the Steelers also, like, when you look ahead to that Browns game too, and I know they have to, to win the Ravens game for any of this to matter, but they haven't played a Deshaun Watson-led Browns team yet, so I wonder what that makes a difference um, for the defense and just the game in general and how, how that will play out. But it's pretty wild that we're in this scenario and that we're going to be game watching outside of the Steelers games too and cheering for these other teams as well. It's a fun scenario. Yeah, um, it's crazy because like this year, honestly, like once Pickett started playing, that's what the season really became about was his progression. The fact that we're getting, and I tweeted this, like the fact that we're getting him these meaningful reps, we're getting his feet wet in an entire offense that's like 26 years old and younger is getting so much experience right now, still playing meaningful games. Like that's a win to me on the season, regardless of this team ends up making the playoffs or not. I have a hard time feeling like this season was a total failure. I know it's always about making the playoffs. It's about winning Super Bowls, but it's also about, you know, the progression of your young quarterback and your young f- football team in a year that really looked like it was lost after we we lost TJ Watt in week one. So, um, again, you know, the fact they're pl- still playing meaningful football, I have a hard time being upset about it. Yeah, and I, and I talked about earlier about the pressure that Kenny was under in that, that two-minute drill in that Raiders game and even more pressure going into this. And we're going to get to see it as, as Steeler fans, just what kind of poise he's going to have and what kind of how he plays in the pressure of, Hey, we can't control what everybody else can control, but we're going to be able to control what we can control. So we need to win these two games in order to give ourselves a chance to get to this playoffs. And so I feel like that's going to be an emphasis from, from Mike Tomlin's part. And we're going to see what Kenny and the rest of the offense and the rest of the team is able to do and run with it. I, I, I hope that they're able to pull that out. It'll be a great finish, r- regardless whether they, they they even make the playoffs or not, because I know they need some help. But if they're able to finish this, this season winning out, I, I feel like that'll be a great stepping yeah. stone for, I mean, a cap, a, a cap on this season, but then just moving forward, even without the postseason, that's just a boat of confidence for – Steeler fans, but also these Steeler players and knowing what they can do next season. Yeah, I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but I've actually seen people say that's the best case scenario is that they win out but don't make the playoffs, like to get embarrassed in the playoffs because you can, you know, finish on a four game winning streak. 
um, and go into the seat, like the off season, like kind of riding that high to build off something as opposed to, you know, if they, they go into the playoffs and lay a complete egg against like Kansas city or Buffalo or something um, at, in their place. So I don't know. I guess I can see that perspective. I, again, it's not necessarily something I agree with, but I just wanted to lay that out there because that's an opinion I've seen. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd still, uh, for me personally, I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather see them get their feet wet in the playoffs. You well, know, and I, I feel like plays. even if they get blown out in the playoffs, the fact that they made it there, I feel like that would probably drive the hunger more to get back because it's not a guarantee to get back. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing, obviously, all right, do we think that they win this football game against the Ravens? Because there is stuff that, that could happen earlier in the day, obviously, that makes that game meaningless before we even kick off. But, um, yeah, do we think they st- the Steelers beat the Ravens? So I don't want to say keep their playoff hopes alive because they can only do their part. But right. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think they do. I, I thought that they were going to split with the Ravens in general. But the fact that we already lost the game that was played in Pittsburgh, I, I feel like they're going to win this game. And I do like that it was flexed into primetime football. I mean, I, I, there's just something about the Steelers playing in primetime that I feel a lot more comfortable with than, than I do other time slots. Not, I mean, one o'clock is the normal, but if we're playing a team, at one o'clock or in prime time, for some reason, I just feel confident playing at that, that eight 15, eight 20 kick. Um, so I, I like that it's played there. And I, and I like that the Steelers have had multiple games in a row going up to this point, because when we played the Ravens last, I, I mean, we, we were kind of getting into a groove, but we weren't right quite there yet. And they've won some more football games since then. And so I, I, I think that, the Steelers will feel a little better about themselves and know what to expect moving forward. And especially like I said, without playing Lamar, they've already seen Tyler Huntley. So they just have to control what they can control. Hopefully Kenny gets to play the whole game this time. And I I think the Steelers are going to come out on top. Well, yeah, that's the big thing for me is neither one of the quarterbacks that are starting this game got to finish that game. So Kenny, obviously looking for revenge. I talked about it before that game, like really excited to see what he would do his first shot against Baltimore, because that's where so much of your Steeler legacy is going to be created by how you play against the Baltimore Ravens and within the division. Um, So now he's getting his hopefully first real true shot going to Baltimore in enemy territory, Sunday Night football in a meaningful game. Hopefully by the time that they kick off, I am in agreement with you. I think that they win this football game against Baltimore and split. Um, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they do go into week 18 still with a shot to make the playoffs. I think they win this game, though. Uh, 23 to 16. They're not going to be dealing with the weather nearly as much as they did uh, on Christmas Eve. Yeah. So the games this week that we're rooting for, we need the what, the Seahawks to beat the Jets? Seahawks to beat Seahawks the Jets. To beat the Seahawks to beat the Jets and Patriots to beat the Dolphins. Okay. I mean, those are very realistic options, I feel like. And where are those games played? Do you know? New England and Seattle. Okay. Well, there you go. Get it done. <laughs> yes. Yep. I mean, it, it's as good of a scenario as it could be, given what we need. Especially, I mean, hey, yeah, I mean, prayers to like, Tua. It's not like... Prayers to Tua for sure, but it's beneficial to the Steelers, obviously that he's not out there, but man. Right. And, and these are realistic. Like I said, these are realistic matchups. It's not like we're banking on like the Texans to beat the bills. Mm-hmm. Hey, we need the Jaguars to beat the Colts last year and it happened. So. Yeah. Now the, the drag wires look that... decent as a football <laughs> yeah. team and Trevor Lawrence looks good. 
they're they're going to make the playoffs, in my opinion. And I'm excited to see Trevor yeah. Lawrence in the playoffs. So, uh, all right, final thing to talk about. I wanted to let you know that I am starting a petition uh, for or the NHL to shorten all games to 20 minutes, just one period, because I think that'd be beneficial <laughs> uh, for our Pittsburgh Penguins. Dude, I was so ticked off because my whole family went to the game last night, like my parents and my sisters and my brother-in-law. And I was thinking, okay, this is going to be good. The Steelers or the, the, the Penguins are up four nothing and they're going to coast to a win. Maybe Detroit gets a couple goals, but they're not going to blow this thing. And of course, they blow this thing. And I felt so bad for my family. So the Steelers should feel ashamed for making the rest of the week's clan watch that and making me watch that and making everybody else in Pittsburgh watch that. That is the, what was it? The second time in Penguins history, according to Bob Grove, that they've blown a four, nothing lead. Mm. Wow. That's not his, that's not good company. You don't want to join that team. No. And I believe the last time was in the seventies. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I felt like it was a game earlier in the season. Like I thought we were kind of past this point um, of that style of play. It felt where it's like, like it was like the the last week of October, first week of November. Yeah. I mean, especially like the contributions that they're getting. Drew O'Connor, Jason Zucker twice, and Jeff Carter scoring the goals. I mean, if you get those type of contributions, you think, yeah, this should be an easy win for the Penguins. Especially, you know, not taking anything away from Detroit. They're improving, but I mean... Come on now. The Penguins are the better hockey team at this point of where both teams are. Um, so just, yeah, a really unfortunate result. And it, they got outworked for 40 plus minutes. I, I feel like you started to see cracks as that first period dwindled down and it just carried over for the next two periods. Uh, and this is on the yeah. heels of what they, the performance they had against the Islanders just one night before. I thought that that was a wake up call based on what we saw in the first period of that game against Detroit. Nope. They looked like that exact same hockey team the following 40 minutes. I don't know what the answer is here, um, but all I know is uh, this just the this is this is a trend at this point. This isn't just like a small sample size. Uh, this is a very vulnerable team, in my opinion, despite the talent that is there. The minute things don't go right, they completely fall apart. So they break down I, too easily, and and that's what my my brother in law was asking me like. Because I, t- I told him last night after I came out of my room that the Penguins lost in overtime five to four. They blew a four nothing league, and he's like, "Oh, this is a goalie stink." And I'm like, "It's not even that. It's just the, the team. Just because you let in five goals, the goalie doesn't always stink. It, the team breaks down in front of them, and I feel like that happens way too easy. Like it, it, it is. It's almost like a habit for the Penguins for the, that to happen. If they don't get a save, it's going to bite them. That it, it's. It just seems like it's so consistently." bad in their own end and in in kind of just kind of at center ice too i feel like their transition game isn't that great um and and so i think that kind of bites them and their line changes i don't think they're that great at at certain times and i I don't think that overall there's no fluidity to this team and i feel like it's it's very high and very low and it's very low way too often uh they got 46 saves from casey to smith or sorry, 41, 46 shots on goal Casey Smith had to face last night from the Detroit Red Wings. So it was not a good performance, and that's to say the least. Um, I mean, could Casey have saved one or two? Maybe, but I, there's not like any part of me that is like Casey Smith is the reason they lost this no, hockey game. That was still so, nearly a 900 save percentage. 
I mean, that's yeah. not that's not the best, but it's still for how, facing how many shots he did. The, not all those goals were on Casey to Smith. I mean, the, the team just looked bad defensively in front of him for several of those goals. That's they got gritted on the Penguins. They got gritted they on did every get time. On. And I and I and I gotta <laughs> say, like it, that cracked me up. I'm not even mad about it. It did. I yeah, find that it hilarious. did. It, it, I hate that it, it happened to the so Penguins, funny. but I hate that it happened to the Penguins. Just like Zach Wilson grinning on the Steelers earlier this season, it, <laughs> it, it was just so funny to watch, even as the opposing fan to that team. Like, I I hate that we're in this position, but that's so funny. <laughs> and grinning on ice, I didn't even know it was possible. Yeah, I mean, like that's like NHL 23. That can be a celebration or something like that, but it's not. <laughs> I've never now seen that it done it, in now person. Now that it's happened so. in real life. What, is, is it a celebration in NHL 23 already? It's an intro. It, it's not like a goal celebration. It's an intro set like okay. thing. When you're, well, yeah. now it could be a goal celebration because it happened in real life. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, honestly, talking about these two players. But, like, the Steelers have a, a – a Steelers, still stuck on football. The Penguins clearly have a Brian Dumoulin and Jeff Carter issue – and I, I think it's honestly like I've gotten past the point of these guys can't be playing because honestly, I think that Carter is playable, just not at center. He's got to play in the wing. Brian Dumlin, I don't think is playable right now, but let's get past that fact and just talk about the deployment of them, at least, because if they're going to be in the lineup, Brian Dumlin cannot be playing 20 minutes a night while POJ is playing 14 and Jeff Carter cannot be on the ice protecting, you know, a one goal lead with two minutes left. Like, why is he the guy that you are entrusting? when you've gotten the results that you have. Yeah, I'll be honest. If they're putting a center out there, I would much prefer Sid. Like, <laughs> I understand he's, he's the superstar, and you, 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 you that's not typically what happens in those scenarios. But, I mean, I look at, like, Boston. When, whenever the, the game is in crunch time and they need to win the rest of the game, Bergeron and Marchand are out there. There's no, there's no second guessing it. So why can't the Penguins do the same? The, the Penguins' best defensive lines – are their best players. So why would they send out somebody that could be considered a liability? And Dumoulin, I'm just, I'm done with. I, he has been so bad. Anybody who's defended him, I hope you can really see just how bad he is this season and know that he should not be on the Penguins. They should not sniff a contract. I'm sure they're not even thinking about it anymore just because of how bad he's been. And I, I cannot wait for the day that he is no longer on the team. And it, it, it sucks to say that because of what the player like Brian Dumoulin has meant to this franchise and meant to this core of, over the past decade. But, it, it, man, it's time to go. That guy stinks. And he was a direct cause for at least one of the goals last night. I, I feel like every goal that they give up, you can look on the ice and he's he's on the ice. You know, because he also, I will say the one aspect of his game where he's probably been at least serviceable is on the penalty kill. But obviously, whenever they do give up a goal, he's on the ice there. But also 5v5, it always seems like it's him and Ruta right now, which is a terrible pairing. Like, that, they should not be together whatsoever. Um, as, as much as, you know, I feel like Ruta has kind of fit in and, and when before Brian Dumoulin, um, I like the contributions he was giving them. He brought something they didn't have. Now that those two are playing together, they've been awful. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a bad situation. And I don't know necessarily what like the answer is, other than obviously POJ getting more minutes and and sheltering Dumoulin even more. Now you got Chris Letang potentially out for a little bit. Ty Smith's up and probably going to crack the lineup. That right side D could be Ruda, Friedman, and Ty Smith. 
next time we see this team. Which Ty Smith is a lefty, I'm pretty sure. So that'll he be is. fun. He is, but he's played on both sides, just like Friedman has. Um, but yeah, assuming Latang or Ruido aren't going to play tomorrow, that's your that's your right side D right there. Yeah, that's that sucks. Because I think that <laughs> well, it's, it's it sucks because not only do you have uh, Ty Smith, who's a left sided defenseman playing on the right, but I think even a guy like Friedman, who is he he can play on both. I think he's better on the left. He's better on his so. off. Yeah. So I it that's gonna suck. I don't even know what you do at that point. Do you, like, do you just uh, send out two left defensemen? Because I mean, your best defensemen are left defensemen. It's it's gonna be uh, Poj and Marcus Pedersen. So maybe you just yeah. have them as a pairing. I don't know. How many minutes can they play? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would. Um, tr- I would. I feel like I would trust Poj or Marcus Pedersen on their their offside as opposed to. Friedman or Ty Smith. I mean, Jan Ruda, I, I still think he's a fine defenseman, but I hate him with Dumoulin. I think he's just a black hole that brings down Ruda with him. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's no – neither one of them are elevating the other one, obviously. They're like just bringing grunt. each other down. So. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking about the results that they've had the past couple games, and it's um, – Help could potentially be on the way, not for the defense, but Dan Rosen of NHL.com linked the Penguins to, here's a shock, I think this is probably the third or fourth time they've been linked to him, uh, Max Domi. Uh, now, I think that I mean, this... they were linked. they were linked to him in Arizona. They were linked to him in Montreal. So the fact that they're linked yeah. to him again in Chicago makes sense. I was going to say, yeah, now he's in Chicago, which is like a clear seller. Like they might even move on from some of their star players. So I feel like it's a guaranteed Domi's getting yeah, I remember early on in the season that Patrick Kane was linked to the Penguins. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'm curious to see if he does get moved, but it wouldn't be to the Penguins. Uh, Ty Domi, obviously his father having the link that he does to Mario. We've seen Ty Domi in, in Mario's box before. So um I think that, like, because of that connection, he's always going to be linked to them. But I will say, I do think he fills a need. You know, he's a guy that can play left wing or center. And I've been harping on it all season. Basically, my goal for the Penguins season has been to get Jeff Carter away from playing center. So I think, you know, at that point, you can go down the middle with uh, Sid, Gino, Domi, and Bluger. That sounds a lot better to me than having Carter in that role for sure. Yeah, and I mean, he's on a bad team, so the numbers aren't going to, like, really stand out. But he does have 23 points in 33 games, 11 goals, 12 assists. Plus mm-hmm. minus is awful, but I would expect that on Chicago. And plus minus is yeah. a stupid stat to look at anyway. Um, but I, I, I think that it would feel neat. And surprising, like, it, it might not be surprising to you. It's surprising to me that he's still 27 years old. For some reason, I thought, like, just because – Domi's been around for a while. Like, we've heard of him for a while. I was thinking this guy's like 30 now, but he's, he's our age. In fact, I think I'm yeah. older than him. So, yeah, I'm older than him by uh, two days. Oh, wow. So, I, that, 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 just, that just surprised me a little bit. Um, but, I mean, his possession metrics for how bad – and I don't know what line he's playing on. Like, I don't know if he's on the Taves line um, or, or what, but I feel like he probably would be because I don't think Taves is Kane's center, right? I do not believe. I mean, I could tell you what line he's playing on, honestly, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't believe so. Well, I'm just saying, like, it, like, look, just looking at his Corsi percentage, like, yeah, forty nine and a half on a team like that. I, like, I don't know what line. He's oh, playing he's playing on, with. Uh, he's playing. Still. 
He's played with Tyler Johnson and Patrick. Okay. So, I mean, okay. Now Smitty's gone. Um, but <laughs> I have no Man, we're having some issues. I, my uh We're having some issues. My USB thing that I have plugged into my laptop, it's like a USB hub. It just yeah. resets everything. So, but I'm here. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, I was just saying like even it's a 49.5%, but even with him having sub 50%, it's still around 50%, and having that on the Blackhawks is at least encouraging. It's not like it's like 45% or worse. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think if you're on a team like that, the, the numbers are what they are. It, we we kind of said the same thing whenever we signed Danton Heinen. And, I mean, listen, Danton Heinen hasn't, hasn't lived up to what we thought and what he looked like early on in the season, but – it was kind of just a similar scenario. Like, listen, he's playing on a bad team, so you can rely on the numbers somewhat, but you're going to play better on better teams. So maybe in the Penguin system, he would play better. I don't know. How much money does he make on Chicago? Because is, is this a new contract, or was he traded there on a current contract? Uh, I am actually Blackhawks not sure. Cap friendly. Two years. No, Second. he must have been moved on this. No, one year, three million. Um, okay, so, yeah, yep. He's he's just signed for this year at three million dollars. I mean, I, I feel like the Penguins probably afford that somehow. Um, maybe they can send. Maybe they could fleece the fleece the Blackhawks like they did in 2016 when they traded uh, okay. for Trevor Daly, and they, they traded Rob Scuderi for him. And they could just send Matt uh, Dumoulin for Max Domi. I like it. I can get down with it. You're even offloading hey. money at that point. I know. Yeah, they, they got to do something. Um, I don't know what the answer is again, but we're seeing a lot of the early season tendencies creep back up for the Penguins, and they got to find their footing here soon because uh, they've now gone – they've lost three straight. So I know they got a point yesterday after blowing a 4 nothing lead, but not good enough. And, I mean, they did get a point against Carolina, and they, they did play a they tough did. stretch of games, which I thought the week prior – wasn't as bad, like even though they lost to Carolina in overtime and then they lost to them three to two. I still thought it was overall decent efforts, but they, these past two games, especially the the debacle that was the Islanders game and then the complete breakdown that was this uh, Detroit Red Wings game. It, it was just unacceptable and just a pathetic effort after the first 15 minutes of the first period. Yeah, they got the Devils. Um uh, probably tonight by the time people are listening to this. Then they obviously have the Bruins in the Winter Classic. Vegas, I mean, I guess after that, you got some – the competition lessens a little bit. But, yeah, they've been in a tough stretch for sure. I just – it's been a good measuring stick, and we see where the Penguins are right now. So, should be a way yeah. to call. Yeah, do you want to change your uh, – I don't know who, who tweeted it, but they asked where the Penguins going to end up, and I think you said second. Second, yeah. I said second. Just because – like New Jersey has really started to fall off, but hey, the Penguins might be doing the same right now. We'll see. Um, no, yep. I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with second. Okay, I said third. So. <laughs> yeah, I said third at the beginning of the season, but it wasn't for the the Devils being in front of them. I had the Rangers. I feel like even though a lot of what it's they funny, did last year, I, I think I said second. <laughs> oh, I feel like a lot of what they did last. By the way, Carolina for sure number one. Um, a lot of what the oh, Rangers yeah. did last year was so much about special teams and goaltending. They were a pretty mid team at five on five. I still thought that they would be decent enough this year, even though I didn't love their off season. 
um, to be the number two team with Igor still playing very well. I just, yeah, they haven't been quite that good. They're still obviously in a wild card spot right now. They got their own stuff to figure out, you know, uh, former number one pick being healthy scratched in Alexis Lafayette So we'll see how that shakes out, but wild stuff going on. No. I think that about does it though for this week. Uh, yeah. Next time we talk to everybody, it'll be 2023. As crazy as that sounds. It'll be 2023, and I'll be back in front of uh, my actual microphone and not using your yeah. People that watch or listen to next week's episode probably, hopefully, won't have to deal with what they had to deal with. Uh, to they won't have to deal one. with my microphone, and they won't have to deal with the technical issues. I realize my face is so wide, you can't even see my AirPods, so there you go. I do have <laughs> AirPods. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, again, uh, we will still be putting the uh, link in the description for the Isla Keen Fund, um, which uh, you've already yes. heard me talk about Isla and the loss of her father. This is the best way to financially benefit her and her future. So the link to that will be in the description of this show. Um, other than that, we wish you all a very happy new year for Smitty, for Tyler. Oh, and we'll be in touch about when we're going to do the uh, the prizes and stuff for those who donated to this year's rock around the 412 so stay in touch on that as well follow us on twitter instagram like us on facebook um like and subscribe on here we've been posting a ton of shorts uh tiktok all that good stuff we're posting content everywhere so follow us like subscribe leave a five-star review all that good stuff we'll see you guys next year bye-bye